Safety, dependability, and power. Chevy Silverado isn't happy unless the work is hard and the day is long. No wonder Silverado is America's number one best-selling retail pickup truck. Go to ChevyDriveChicago.com and put a Silverado in your toolbox. Here's Nylander in the Oilers zone. Sharp angle shot. He scores! Here's Steve Christ circle fires. He scores! Oh, he's leveled by Andrew Shaw with a thunderous check. Here's a little puck in front. They score! It's time for another episode of Blackhawks Crazy. Presented by FanList. Keith will move it ahead to Shaw. To Doc over the Sabre line down the left. Wing. He scores! Kirby Doc! Here's Doc with the back and he scores! Kirby Doc! The first two-goal night of Kirby Doc's career. Chris Bowden and Joe Brand break down the latest storylines surrounding your favorite Chicago hockey team. Each game I'm getting better and pushing myself to strive to be better. That's hockey, baby! Here's Chris Bowden and Joe Brand. Hi, everyone. Happy Monday, or whenever you decide to uh, listen to this, but we're making it available on Monday to uh, a fresh edition of the Blackhawks Crazy Podcast, sponsored by FanList, alongside Joe Brand, our Blackhawks postgame reporter here on WGN Radio. I'm Chris Bowden, your pre- and postgame host. And before we get into conversation about uh, what was a 4-3 shootout loss to the Arizona Coyotes, following a couple of uh, dramatic wins, wonder how many moms were in the house tonight after... The moms got four points in about uh, 27 hours. But uh, before we dive into that, we want to tell you that Blackhawks Crazy Podcast is sponsored by FanList. FanList is the best platform for season ticket holders to sell their tickets. Are you a Blackhawks season ticket holder who sells multiple games? Get over to FanList.com slash BlackhawksCrazy, spelled F-A-N-L-Y-S-T dot com. FanList partners with multiple ticket marketplaces and lists tickets for sale across all marketplaces all at once. Sites like StubHub, Vivid Seats, Seat game time and many more and they do all the work multiple marketplaces will increase your ticket exposure causing tickets to sell faster and for higher prices plus FanList is free to use registration and listing tickets are free when tickets sell FanList charges the industry standard 15 percent of the final sale price it's the same rate that all those major marketplaces charge there are no hidden costs or added fees to use FanList. it's the best way for you as a season ticket holder to sell your tickets go to fanlist.com slash blackhawks crazy to receive a 20 dollar bonus on your first sale faa that's F-A-N-L-Y-S-T dot com slash Blackhawks crazy. Again, thanks to FanList for being our presenting sponsor. So welcome once again to the roller coaster ride that is your 2019-2020 Chicago Blackhawks after, what did we have here? We had ourselves a 6-1-1 stretch followed by a 1-5-1 stretch. Followed by two consecutive victories in Boston, of all places, and New Jersey. And then breaking out to a 3-1 lead Sunday here at the United Center against Arizona. Only to fall 4-3 in a shootout. And it was pretty much all Blackhawks first period. And thereafter, pretty much all Arizona Coyotes uh, from that point on. And Joe, uh, this uh, kind of a recurring narrative that the Blackhawks were able to escape in those two wins in Boston, New Jersey, were penalties, and the kill has been better, but the kill or the penalties ended up killing them in this particular game. Really swayed the momentum, and when you're shorthanded on defense without Duncan Keith and Ole Mata, uh, you're asking for a little bit of trouble there. Even though the penalty kill has been pretty good overall, 
you know, uh, all that all that time you're you're spent serving in the box ends up catching up to you. Yeah, the special teams have been an improvement over the past few games, and even Robin Leonard said today that he thought the penalty kill was good. They were two fluke goals that went in, and I don't think anyone's disputing that, but you can't argue the fact that they might not get those opportunities if you're not in a penalty kill situation. So, I mean, it's easy for the goaltender that had a great game to say, hey, these two fluke goals went in, and you know that's why the game ended up being tied. But, again, they get those opportunities because you you have a man advantage. It's really interesting. that This is now the third podcast I've been a part of, and each time... It's when the Hawks have ended a stretch of either wins or losses. But, Get used to it, buddy. <laughs> yeah, right. But but going into these three games, so so after the four nothing loss to St. Louis, you got Boston, New Jersey, and Arizona coming up. And if you were to tell me that the Hawks were grabbing five out of six possible points, that's a huge win. After the Blackhawks came off three straight losses, taking two from Boston. Taking two from New Jersey, okay, that's doable. But then Arizona, you take one from them. The thing is, today's game was a winnable game because of the efforts in the thir- in the first period. If the first period isn't as aggressive as it was, this is a game that the Blackhawks are just kind of clinging on to, and that's kind of what it turned out to be. But the first period was so promising, it, it just kind of raised everyone's expectations for the end of this game, which totally changed and and Robin Leonard and Jeremy Colleton both said that too that everything just kind of faltered off after that opening period. Yeah, and you score 3 goals in the first period against the Coyotes team that was second in the league in allowing the fewest first period goals. They'd given up 18 first period goals all season long. The Blackhawks lighted up for 3 against this Coyotes team which is also came into the game first in goals against average, first in save percentage. Uh, Darcy Kemper came in second in the league in goals against average and save percentage individually. So you got off to that great start, and then uh, your momentum gets quelled. And I, I, I totally understand. There were some calls that uh, you know fans and uh, some of my buddies in the broadcast booth weren't too happy about, some missed calls that probably should have gone the Blackhawks' way. But again, you're going to have games like that. It's going to even out during the course of the whole season. And then, you know, still the other factor there is you're without Duncan Keith. It was announced by Jeremy Carlton after morning skate. He's not going to be playing on the trip at all. So that's another three games you can probably scratch out. He described Keith as week to week. Uh, Olimata missed those uh, couple of games on the trip due to the flu. Uh, he was back skating again. But those are two key guys on the penalty kill, and then then you have the, the, the trickle-down effect. And I think Calvin DeHaan and Connor Murphy have done an outstanding job of trying to pick up the slack. But uh, after a while, as you try to distribute and those minutes pile up for guys that aren't necessarily used to it, you start to feel that toll. And, and uh, my hat's off to those two guys in particular for the job that they have done. But three games in four nights, and you also wonder how you know that could have factored into the way that ice was tilted the second half of the game. Yeah, so Connor Murphy and Calvin DeHaan combined for over 55 minutes today. Uh, so they definitely got their work in, and that's something also that Robin Letter and Jeremy Colleton brought up, how the defense was just kind of gassed. But I also think, and correct me if I'm wrong, that that was a factor of them being so aggressive in that first period. I mean, Calvin DeHaan carved through the defense for the first goal and you know just threw it towards the net, and there was Taves on, on the rebound throwing it right past. And 
out of the gate, it's like, okay, yes, this is what the Hawks need to do. They need to start being more aggressive right when the game starts and just throwing things towards the net. It was interesting, when you were talking to Darren Pang when the Blues were in town last week, he was talking about how the Blues aren't a very flashy team. It's not all stacked with elite talent. It's just guys that know what they're doing with their offensive scheme and and creating quality shots. And that's what I thought the Blackhawks were doing very well in the first period. It didn't matter that... Arizona was out shooting them, what was it, I think 16 to 11? It was the fact that they were quality shots. So, you know, you'd rather have quality than quantity. But as the game progressed, Arizona took quantity and quality because the way they're just able to hang, uh, hang on to all that zone time is just very deflating for the Hawks' defense that was already gassed. Because, like you said, losing guys like Duncan Keith is really making other guys having to step up and just creating a bigger workload. Yeah. So it was 16-11, Coyotes in shots in that first period, and then over the final two periods, not counting overtime, Coyotes pile up 28 shots in those final 40 minutes. 28 is ideally a number probably just below what you would like to give up over the course of an entire game. But again, this narrative continues with the Blackhawks. How much of a difference a Amada or a Keith in the distribution of minutes could have in that against what is a a lightning quick team when it comes in terms of puck pursuit and and you know uh being being quick to pucks as well we saw that as this game progressed uh in tilting that ice so there are a couple of good things to talk about from an offensive standpoint but for the here and now robin leonard was absolutely lights out a couple more highlight saves to actually help the blackhawks earn themselves this one point but then he was so good it forced the Hawks into a shootout. And there was Robin, again, struggling in that situation. I believe he had lost 15 of his last 16 decisions coming into uh, this particular shootout, so make it 16 of 17 if those numbers are accurate. And uh, he addressed that, among other things, when he met with the media after the shootout loss to the Coyotes on Sunday night. Some fantastic saves early. You guys get out to the lead. How do you finish and close this thing off maybe next time? Well, we... Uh we had a decent first period. Um, that's uh, that's about it, you know. Uh, they're they're one of the top teams in the league this year. That team they play, uh, they stick to it. They stick to their structure. They play very disciplined. Um, and uh, second and third, they took over, and we didn't have really any answer than to just. I mean, we battled because they came at us. They cycled hard. We, I mean, the D. Uh, went really hard but I mean we did just didn't stick to our structure that made it really difficult for us uh, we battle hard but if you don't stick to our structure you're going to give up too much I mean the second period was a pretty exhausting period for for us defensively and uh, they had a lot a lot of chances what do you think the biggest different the biggest problem is left from is it just clean exits is it clean passing just too much puck turnover yeah no I think it's a little bit of everything I think uh, we got to manage the puck better uh turnovers just give us a chance to get on the cycle like they did and create momentum uh you know they're a momentum team they just keep keep grinding away and uh, then we try to catch up and we try to do a little too much and a little bit too difficult and they they just capitalize on that and uh they get uh, they have four or five two on one three on three on ones in the third period it's three three so that's all structure uh it's 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 not uh it's not battle level, you know. You know, when we were in our zone that whole period, and we we had a good peep, 
PK today too. PK was great. Uh, the two goals they scored on the uh, PKs is fluke, fluke goals. Uh, so that's a positive. But you know, you like when you're up three-one, you'd like to build on it. You'd like to build on it, and this happened a few times this year now. So I think we just got to sit down and figure out like how we're just gonna keep that momentum and just put the dagger in them and just finish finish teams off when we get a good start like we do. Let's see if on Keller is that a instinct technique. I wouldn't call it technique. <laughs> nah, it's one of those games. They were coming at me all, all game long, you know. After that um, Colorado game, I, I felt good all year long. Even in Colorado game, it was a lot of weird goals, and um, I felt really good in Boston and today. And I'm still letting in three a game, which I don't like. Uh, so I gotta get try to get a little bit better too. But look at the goals today again. There were three free lucky goals, in my opinion. Uh, um, so we just got to keep building on it, you know. We we got a point today. Um, we just got to this time. We got to respond. We got to be next game is the most important game of our season because we got to keep getting points here now. Since the last shootout, have you gone yeah. and looked at other ways to maybe improve the shootout? Yeah, no, I have. I mean, uh, we're still working on it. We'll see. We'll see how. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. It's uh, uh, what is positive about it. Um, just not very good at it, so I gotta get better. I gotta keep keep working at it, and maybe keep keep finding a, another way. Do you feel like there's too much pressure being put on the PK lately with the, with the penalties? Yeah, no, of course we've taken too much penalties lately. I mean, we're averaging four or five a game right now. Uh, uh, but again, it's if we stick to our structure, we're not going to be behind, and we're not going to take those those stick penalties. And uh, yeah, we gotta clean that up. 47 shots on goal. Does that constant pressure help you stay in rhythm? No, no, I mean, no. It's uh, it's about what you give up, and I thought we gave up a little bit too much today by not sticking in our structure, and, you know, with a team like this, it's not really about the amount of shots or shot attempts they have. They, they're such a cycling team, so they just had so much zone time, and, uh, I mean, that takes the energy out of you, out of the whole team. Uh, out of our D and out of me a little bit, so we we just gotta find a way to be a little cleaner and not turn the puck over. Yeah, I have a question for Robin. The, yeah. When the right time to do a two pad stack like there. It's not. You're just trying to save the puck and uh, on that play. I haven't looked at it, but uh, just remember, I was a little bit behind the play and I just uh, saw. I knew one was back door and you're just trying to get something there and you know it's instincts and. Uh, a little bit of luck, but you know, you just gotta have that urgency. And honestly, I, I just wanted to win today. We had a chance to win there in the overtime, and we we just gotta get better, everyone. Robin Leonard was for his career against the Coyotes five zero and zero two point zero zero goals against and a nine thirty six save percentage, and he was spectacular again until the shootout came. So um, good on Robin, and you heard him there say. Uh, he was less resigned about the fact that he is not good in shootouts as he was a couple of weeks ago. You hear him talk more about now taking an angle of, okay, I'm working on it. I have to be better at it. I'll do what I can to try and be better at it. And um, But, yeah, some of those acrobatic highlight reel saves are going to be some of the best you're going to see across the entire NHL this season. He, he was asked about it a few times, you know, is that instinct? Uh, how do you know when you're going to go for a double pad save? I know it was just a, a swiping glove hand, but, you know, at the beginning of the game, I, I 
kind of was keeping an eye on him, just just his approach and the blue paint. And he's he's one of those traditional goalies where he doesn't try to rely on flashy saves, just the good positioning. And it's it always seems like the types of angles he does, and he's on top of where the puck is, and he goes out a few more inches just to make sure to cut down those angles. In fact, in the second period, it looked like Brad Richardson was potentially on a little bit of a breakaway, but he just quickly let go of the puck, and I feel like he just felt he had a better chance of getting it past Leonard in that instance because he knows how good Leonard is on his skates and moving back and cutting off that angle. Um, but you're right. It, it was just another outstanding performance by him. 47 shots on goal, so what, what's that, 44 saves? I asked the question that he totally dismissed right away. You know, that many shots, does that... Just keep you in a rhythm, you know. Stop here, stop there. Not a lot of time to think, but I think he he felt that, like we were saying earlier, that the defense was gassed and and Arizona doing such a good job of controlling zone time that they're just able to control the momentum. Yeah, and and I don't blame you for asking him that because you know that's something he indicated a few weeks ago that with all the pucks that he was seeing, all the rubber he's been seeing, he said, I've actually been used to that during my time in Ottawa and Buffalo. Last year with the Islanders, with his exception to what he has faced his entire career, he didn't seem too bothered by it. But the more, the, I think this is the fourth time he has seen 40-plus shots so far here with the Blackhawks. And um, he'll probably get tired of it at, certain, at a certain point if that continues. Now, uh, a couple of roster-related moves. We mentioned the, the key thing that you know we're not going to probably see him for at least another week, if not longer. Dylan Secura was called up. Anton Vadin uh, sent down. Kubalik got bumped up to the top line. I thought for much of the game he looked good and comfortable and had a positive impact with Taves and Brandon Saad. Um, Secura really needs to show he can score in this league. This is now 39 games, I believe, uh, that he has not been able to score after leading the Ice Hogs in scoring. He's 24 years old. This is his fourth trip up here. Um, in the NHL or with the Blackhawks to at least prove that uh, you know he's not going to be a mucker and grinder. He's going to have to learn how to light the lamp at this level. Denied with uh, the ice time that he got here on Sunday night. But talking about another kid, and that is Dennis Gilbert, uh, he continues to impress by putting himself out there on the line and showing he is willing to take on anyone who might come or anyone who tries to beat up any of his teammates, in this case Alex Dabrinkit, or when he's pounding guys like Jack Hughes Friday night in New Jersey, when a heavyweight like Wayne Simmons comes after him, uh, he did not back down. And this was another instance where it brought about the question afterwards after Arizona scores a power play goal to get to within 3-2. He gets the instigator after the Demers hit on Alex Dabrinkit, and it created another penalty kill situation that Arizona eventually scored on, on a deflection off Slater Cuckoo that went into the net. But uh, as you'll hear in a moment here from Alex Dabrinkit, um, and even Calvin DeHaan said the same thing afterwards, uh, he was totally fine with Gilbert once again being the guy to step up and stand up for his teammates. It's one of those hockey things, you know, that everyone gets all riled up when that happens. I mean, heck, that was probably one of the most electric parts of the game. I mean, in, in terms of getting the United Center on their feet, and he, there goes Debrinkit down against the boards on what probably nine times out of ten, maybe even more than that, is called a penalty, and everyone's standing there with their arms up, so Gilbert goes after the guy, and, geez, out hit Demers 5 nothing. I mean, he won that fight. That was another reason why it got everyone so so pumped up, but I think Jeremy Colleton had a good response. You know, it, that that effort is justified if you kill the penalty, which the Hawks didn't do. Um, there were a couple things that 
in this game that I thought was going to be the turning point. That, and then actually Robin Leonard's save, I thought was the perfect opportunity for the Blackhawks to come back, you know, really take the momentum and the game by securing a goal. But right after Leonard's save, Arizona came down with another chance. Um, so that's the one thing. The Hawks are having a little bit of difficulty riding that momentum. Wasn't it a few games ago Andrew Shaw got in a fight hoping to get things going, and, and that never really happened. So I, I get it. I, I get why they do it. And, heck, you got to give credit to the young guy, one, trying to make a name for himself, but, two, taking the penalty where a veteran doesn't have to, or, or not even a veteran, but a, but a middle-tiered guy. He's, he's doing something for the team in that regard. But, yes, it did end up hurting the team in the long run. Yeah, and plus that that even piled up the minutes as well for the rest of the defensemen because Gilbert was gone for 17 minutes between the instigator, the five-minute major, and the 10-minute misconduct. So um, you can make an argument in a negative way, but I don't think you were hearing any of that from the Blackhawks people. They failed to execute on that kill. And before we hear from from Alex, um, the power play, has, as you mentioned earlier, has taken steps goals in three straight games, but that one in overtime was one that was really disappointing because it seemed there was too much stagnation. I don't know if the guys were not used to having it a a four-on-three as opposed to a five-on-four, but uh, too much holding the puck, and they weren't making Arizona work for it. And I think in all that open ice, I think I'd have to ask some of the guys this, but if, if they take a shot that may carry them wildly out towards the neutral zone. It may expose themselves to a breakaway the other way, but Robin Leonard doesn't seem to mind those, at least in at least in the game situation. Yeah, and that's what's interesting, too. I mean, how many times have we seen Robin Leonard stop a breakaway, but it's, you know, when it's the only guy on the ice in a shootout situation, it's a totally different story. You're right, but, but that's just kind of the whole thing with this overtime three-on-three sometimes being just a toss-up, because you give one team a chance, and then they go on. But I, I know, and this has been said for years, since they changed to three-on-three, the Blackhawks always feel very confident in that situation because of the skilled players they have and I I think the issue you brought up about stagnation that's just constantly the problem with the the Hawks power play over the years is there there, there's so much talent no one knows when to shoot or who to shoot but when things are rolling it's it's just kind of mindless and they're able to do it all on their own and it's all muscle memory and they they get it done so yeah Alex DeBrinket brought that up in the dressing room too how that's that's a missed opportunity. Again, it's it's such an interesting game because after the first period, it looks like this is the, the Hawks game to lose, and it was. But the fact that Arizona controlled those last two periods, Arizona's a very good team right now. The Hawks were not playing that great in the final 45 minutes, yet they were so close to taking two points today. Yeah, and that was only the second power play opportunity the Hawks got. Debrinka was able to convert on the, the one uh, in the first period that they got, second straight game that he has converted on the power play, third straight game that he has scored a goal. And uh, here is uh, uh, what Alex had to say in meeting with reporters afterwards, starting with the fact that for the second time in three games, yeah, the Hawks got points out of it, three points out of games in which they blew 3 nothing and then 3-1 leads. Disappointing, get a two-goal lead at home and somehow you don't get two points out of it. Yeah, it's uh, it's tough. I think we need to figure out how to play with the lead and... Um, you know, they had some good pressure there, but we got to um, keep it out of our net and um, obviously stay out of the box, too. Two of their goals came on power plays, so um, if we can stay out of the box, I think uh, we win that in regulation. You got a rare power play in the overtime. Uh, I'm sure that feels like a missed opportunity there. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, we had some plays, bobbled the puck a bit, um, made a few bad passes, but, uh, you know, 
if we score on that, obviously it's a, a win. But um, I think that's a, a, a crucial time that we we really need to score. And um, I mean, we take a penalty late there. That's I don't know if it's a, a very good call, but uh, I think we had a, a lot of penalties today. So um, I think mostly we got to stay out of the box. Did you ask the ref what you didn't see on that boarding call with you? Um, he said he came from the side. I, I'm, I'm not sure um, really what happened. Obviously, I, I didn't see it, but uh, you know they make their decisions out there. It's a fast game. Um, I mean, just it, it sucks not being able to uh, you know really take advantage of a, a power play situation. And um, I think you know, I mean, like I said, it's a fast game. They don't see everything, so um, you know, gotta cut them some slack. I know when they scored out, but when Gilbert takes that penalty. <laughs> Defensive teammate like that. What does that do for his teammate? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think it fires us up. I think, um, you know, he's protecting me. I think, uh, you know, he obviously thought it was a, a dirty hit, and um, you know, he takes, you know, control of the play, and um, I think, you know, it it's makes me, uh, you know, it's a, a good play for me. I think, you know, I like that he does that, but obviously at the same time, um, you know, we get a penalty out of it, which. It's not always the best, but um, you know I think our bench can um, roll with that and um, try to kill that off. Unfortunately, we didn't, but um, you know any other penalty we can, we can probably kill off from from that one. You just had a fight recently too, but when somebody does that for a player like you, does it feel like the target's off your back to, to go out there a little more room for you, maybe? Um, yeah, I think. I mean, it, it's it's good he takes exception to it. I don't know. Um, about a target on my back, but I think uh, you know it's it's nice he's sticking up for me. And, uh, you know, uh, I like to see that. I think it's uh, you know really shows he cares for the team, and um, you know he's he's gonna go out there and battle for us every day. Alex goals are starting to roll in for you now. <coughs> Confidence is kind of back a little bit. Is it uh, loosen the grip on the stick a touch now? Yeah, a little bit. I think uh, you know obviously it was a tough stretch there, but um, you know I think. You know, I could have scored a bunch of goals during that stretch too. Hit a few posts, and um, you know sometimes you get lucky, and sometimes you don't. So just keep it working hard, and um, you know not take anything for granted. I know you'd have rather had two points, but is it how important is it at least keep the point streak rolling here? Yeah, I mean it's good to get points, but obviously we we feel like we lost one there. Um, you know. 3-1 lead. Uh, we should be able to shut that down. Uh, we blew a 3-0 lead the other night, and uh, I think we got to figure out how to protect the lead and, um, you know, not necessarily sit back, but, um, you know, take our chances and, um, you know, know when we can go up and, and when we can give up the play. So uh, I think we, we just got to figure out how to um, do that, and we'll be fine. There are some uh, some positive Baby steps, I guess. We were talking about steps made in the special teams. Um, the other thing to be positive about, the fact that DeBrinket's warming up, as we mentioned prior to hearing from him, three consecutive games with goals after going almost a month without them. And now the captain, uh, Jonathan Taves, um, the game winner in overtime in Boston. He adds a shootout goal on Friday in New Jersey. He comes out in the first period, has a hand in all three of the goals for the Blackhawks. So, um, yes, it's getting late. Because, you know, after, after the Friday night game in New Jersey, the Hawks are back within three points of the second wild card. And then by the time they report to work here on Sunday, it's back to five points. So it's this never ending, the inability to string a decent long run together of points or wins really catches up to you, especially when you're behind the eight ball. Um, now we'll see in what's going to be a very difficult road trip coming up if these guys can stay hot. And I think they're going to need them to stay hot, um, you know, to continue providing offense, especially with 
you know, the, the attrition that the, the defense has suffered over the course of the last couple of games from a personnel standpoint. Well, there's, there's no going about it. I mean, this offense is incredibly better, and the team is incredibly better when Jonathan Davis is producing offensively, and, and you've seen that over the last few games, even though they were only able to take one point today. Uh, Taves is just kind of on a surge right now, and, and same thing with the Brinkett. But, but I think it was kind of a perfect storm with Dylan Strome coming back and him yeah. finding that chemistry with Alex DeBrinket too, and you know all that talk about Alex DeBrinket being on a, a little bit of a gold drought, but still helping out with assists and things like that. I, I don't think he's all of a sudden turned on his selfish switch and you know is is becoming more of a goal scorer than a, a puck spreader. I just think. He's catching a little luck, but he's putting himself in the right spots, yeah. too. And, and and Taves, out of the gate in this first period, was was so huge just because you like to see him get in a rhythm. And he nearly had another goal later on. I forget yeah. which period it was, but he had the breakaway, and then Kemper had that astounding save on the second attempt. So, so again, when, when Taves hits his resurgence, uh, which is looking like it is right now, this whole team can feed off of it. I mean, it's it's him being consistent that will allow the other players to be consistent. Well, you know who to uh, credit for the uh, the turnaround of Jonathan Taves. That's true. That's that's our own Chris Bowen, the guy holding the mic right now. You're welcome, Chicago. Um, it just so happens that I was able to catch up with Jonathan one on one last week before the team uh, departed for the mom's trip. This was after the consecutive tough losses to Colorado and. The, the bad loss to St. Louis uh, last Monday at the United Center. Um, the Blackhawks had, had a couple of days off, and it was also the opportunity for Jonathan to uh, hold a press conference and announce for the third consecutive year his Jonathan Taves Foundation is working in cooperation with Green Bronx Machine to help um, Chicago public schools uh, hold curriculums that allow students to grow their own vegetables indoors. They have these tower gardens that were first initiated by a guy in the Bronx uh, that Jonathan got to know, and uh, he's been a big fan. Jonathan, obviously, totally into in recent years the fact that he's eating healthy, training a little bit differently. Um, He gave it a lot of credit for his big season last year, and you could tell the frustration that last season didn't carry into this year statistically. But the the beginning of this conversation is about Green Bronx machine. I'll tee that up in a moment. But later on, I get to the hockey questions. And so I was asking him these questions when he was still sitting at four goals and Alex was at five goals. And he was willing to answer them and be honest about his frustration with not only his play individually, but the team failing to get some traction. So you hear that towards the end of the conversation. But uh, first, we start out about, you know, his getting involved in the community, how good this makes him feel to uh, introduce kids to healthy eating and the unique way of growing some vegetables and healthy foods in classrooms through a Green Bronx machine. So that's where we start this conversation, uh, particularly about the progress the program has made and how pleased he is with its growth, beginning with 20 CPS schools. That grew to 40 uh, Chicago public schools a year ago, and this year's program will involve 60 Chicago public schools. Here's Jonathan Taves. I mean, it's growing really fast, and honestly, it's it's one of those things that people, I think, are, are jumping up to the plate to, to want to get involved. Um, and at the end of the day, it's, it, it doesn't cost a ton of money to throw these tower gardens uh, in, in the classrooms. Obviously, the, the time and energy over the years that a guy like Stephen Ritz 
put into building a, a group like Green Bronx Machine is where the real legwork was. Um, but I think that's what he was thinking all along was to try and make this easy for teachers to step up and uh, and use this tool in their classroom to help kids, uh, you know, focus more and, and you know obviously understand the the, the effect of eating healthy food and being healthy and feeling good and, and uh, having the energy to, to concentrate in class uh, goes a long way. So I think it's one of those things that, that just touches on so many different things and it's really easy to, to keep growing it. Now we're, we're going to be up to 60 schools soon. So um, in just a, a, sh- you know, a few short years, uh, it's kind of exciting to see where it could go as well. Give our listeners who may not be familiar a refresher course on how you stumbled upon this well i mean to be honest with you i I was uh early in my career obviously started focusing on my nutrition and my recovery and my sleep and all those things and once i started learning about you know the food i was putting my body i just kind of uh really jumped into that sort of thing and realized that uh, there's a lot of people suffering from different illnesses and go down the list of, of what you might be dealing with I realize uh, what you put in your body has a huge, huge impact on that, and, and and not only feeling your best, but making sure you're you're staying clear of, of a lot of different things. And for me, I just saw so many different charities out there, and, and I, you know, at the end of the day, there's need for all that too when it comes to uh, fighting cancer and uh, heart disease and all the you know the big ones really. But for me, I just wanted to take an approach where I could um, kind of kill a number of birds with one stone and, and start with kids and kind of uh, you know get involved in education as well at a grassroots level where um, kids can learn at a young age to, to maintain a healthy mind and a healthy body and uh, if you plant that seed right away who knows where it can really go if uh, you know down the road you know you never know uh, what they might be dealing with in their life but um you know, eating healthy and, and feeling really good, feeling like yourself is a, a big step towards tackling any challenge you're going to deal with. So um, for me, that was the approach I wanted to take with all this and um, kind of stumbled across Green Bronx Machine and, and they hit all those, uh, you know, basically had all those bases covered that I thought. So, um, you know, it was, it was a pretty cool match. What's been the experience been like when you have gone into classrooms and mingled with some of these, these kids who are working with the program? Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't really expect much, but it was pretty cool to see the kids uh, were excited. They want to talk about it. They want to show me what they were growing. And uh, so we got in all the details, and it was, was really easy and really fun. Which came first? I know, I know you have you know, great concerns about the environment and, and sometimes the way food is processed and, and made. Which came first, your awareness of that and concern about that, or meeting Stephen or did it all kind of come together at the same time? Well, I mean, it's, it's obvious I, I was, uh, you know, it was directly relevant to me as, I mean, it's my job to go out there and play with energy every single night and like I said, I hit a bit of a rough patch when I was in my first couple years in the league and totally reinvented the wheel when it came to my nutrition how I was, uh, I was approaching all that off the ice um, so once I started learning about that, then, you know, it's, it's hard not to learn about where your food comes from and how it, uh, you know, it, it impacts the, the environment and just how the whole system really works. So, um, you know, I definitely became more and more interested in that. And I think nowadays everyone out there can read a book or you, there's tons of, de- you know, documentaries on Netflix. So I went down that rabbit hole for a long time and, 
uh, you know, just ask my teammates who've been around me. They, you know, they'll they'll laugh and say I was force feeding them a lot of that stuff and for a long time. But uh, you know, like I said, I think Green Bronx machine is is perfect in a lot of ways because they're they're killing a lot of those birds with one stone. I think uh, I think it's part of the future is finding different ways to grow food effectively with less water and go down the list, less resources, all that stuff. Um, teaching kids how to do it and where, where food comes from who live in cities and may have never ha- had that opportunity is, is a huge difference maker also do you allow yourself cheat days anymore or no oh yeah yeah of course <laughs> just very small ones i don't talk about it, though how uh, how how did this all start in terms of um the importance of giving back to the community is that something that kind of game organically if i could use that word or Mom and dad uh, play a part in that and instill that in you at an early age, too? For sure. I mean, I think you, you look at uh, any of the guys who have been on our team for a while, they all, they all have something. You know, Steve's been involved. Dunks have been very, has been very involved in, in giving back. And I think we've all tried to find our own way that, uh, you know, we can, as they say, leverage uh, the platform and the reach that you have here in Chicago. And for me, it's it was just kind of an evolution of finding what, find out what was really important to me that I would, I would feel really passionate about uh, getting involved in and, and uh, so when this came up it was perfect and like I said it was a great match and um, you know I'm excited to keep diving deeper and deeper into it and, and see where it can go. Now to what allows you to have this platform uh, in, in concerning the team what's been the, the degree of difficulty frustration mentally that getting on a sustained run you know, here has been so elusive. You, you see it in spurts, but not being able to, you know, string some things together for a long time. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the thing. We had a, a really good game in Dallas. We lost in overtime, came home, and, and won that game handily. I think you even look back to the game we won in Nashville, where for us, I think it was a statement game to win a game like that in Nashville. We hadn't, hadn't really done since before we got swept, you know, a couple of years ago. Uh, and all of a sudden, we're, you know, we have three more division games that we, we don't even give ourselves a chance to win so uh it's frustrating to take those steps back in those three games um so yeah for us i think we we realize those point points are important in the division games but we got to find ways to uh you know with the travel and, and the amount of games that we're playing if you're not going to be uh on your best game every night you still got to kind of scratch and claw and find ways to win which which we haven't done well enough in the last few do the hockey gods mess with you too from a personal standpoint after you and Alex had the seasons that you had individually yeah. last year um, you know uh, I, I know both of you are feeling it a little bit too in terms of look what I did last year and now this year it's it's been hard to come by and you're wondering when it's going to break through too yeah it's it's not easy uh, it's been frustrating I mean for I think we I got four goals you might have five or six in almost 30 games I don't know if I've ever been through a, a drought like that in my career and uh it is what it is and i think you you, you kind of feel on worth where, where your team's at and some of these nights where you, you felt like you played well and pucks didn't go in uh if some little things here and there were just bouncing the other way uh you know you have a few more points on the board your team would have a few even back in the playoff mix maybe a few more wins um but at the end of the day, I think you got to look at some of this adversity as something that's going to 
make you better as a player and, and um, that's the way I'm focusing on it right now and, and at the end of the day there's no better time than now to try and go out there and contribute and make things happen and, and play with that energy because we need the wins and we need the points uh, in the standings. Finally, when, when this team is playing the way it should, what, what is that baseline? I mean, Jeremy always talks about the floor, the, the base that, that you need to play at. What are the ingredients for this team to get that base consistently in order to string some of these wins together? Well, I just think everything becomes easier when we're all supporting each other and when each guy is playing hard in the puck area and we got good sticks and uh, uh, we're hard to take the puck off of. And I think, you know, it always makes it easier on our defensemen when our forwards are getting back and we're getting available, we're supporting and we're getting in the way of four checkers and it makes it easier on our forwards when the, the demon are jumping in the rush and it's just when we got five guys that are out there playing the area together I think when, when we'll become a good team and nobody has to overwork or overcompensate for anything like that so um, we got to find a way to be reliable for each other every single night. There's Jonathan a little uh, down at the time we talked to him about uh, the fortunes of his season individually and how the team really couldn't get any traction but probably feeling hopefully feeling a little bit better about things uh, after the three games since we talked to him and I think the moms had a lot more to do with it than me personally. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna take a bow for that. But let's look ahead, Joe, as we wrap up here, because uh, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't stop. Because uh, this game was the only one uh, among six at home uh, after going to Boston, New Jersey. Now it's Tuesday, Vegas, where the Hawks did win finally in their last trip there. Then a return trip to Arizona on Thursday. We're going to have to face this team you had difficulty with here on Sunday night. And then you go into St. Louis to face a Blues team that, um, you know, just had a workmanlike effort here at the United Center and just knew to wait for their openings and pounce on mistakes that the Blackhawks made. You have all that, those three games, before you come back here next Sunday night and face another team that right now has come from below you and passed you in the standings. In Minnesota, and as we wrap up here on Sunday night, um, the wild card standings, the Blackhawks at 30 points. That's four points out of the second wild card as we speak. But before they take the ice on Tuesday in Vegas, Calgary, one of those teams with 34 points along with Vancouver, uh, tied for that second wild card. They'll be in action as uh, the Flames, who have been hot lately after that big coaching controversy. They have a game in Colorado on Monday night. So, um Playing themselves behind the eight ball from the early point in the season, this is still a, a catch-up situation and as important week as any right now for the Hawks. Robin Leonard said that the game in Vegas is the biggest game of the year, and then when Jeremy Colleton was made aware of that, he's you know the cliche: all games are big. But he mentioned about the response on Tuesday, kind of confirming what happened today. It's really interesting. At the beginning of the year, I remember Jeremy Colleton saying good teams find a way to still find points even when they don't play that well. He said the Hawks didn't play that well today. The Hawks got one point. They were very close to getting two points today. So whether or not he's pleased with the effort, they were very close to getting two points in a game that they played poorly. Looking ahead, like you said, they've gotten the monkey off their back. They've finally beaten Vegas. Okay, that's on Tuesday. But then they got a rematch against Arizona. Now, we saw the Hawks 
make the tweaks and benefit from playing Dallas back-to-back and, and knowing how to play that type of game and, and grabbing three out of four points there. But then we saw them not do so well in back-to-back against Colorado. Uh, whether you want to hold that to just the talent of Colorado or the approach they had or just the huge effort they had out of the gate, you know, outscoring them in the first period, whatever it was, like 7-2 to or something like that, uh, this is something that the Hawks are going to have to learn from because after the Coyotes, it's the Blues again. And like you said, a, a blue-collar team that's that's going to control the puck in their zone. They're going to make quality shots, and they're going to capitalize on the Hawks' mistakes because that's what they did in their 4 nothing win. So it's it's going to be a learning moment. Not a learning moment, but it's going to be... It's going to show us how much the Hawks have learned from those previous games when they face these teams again coming up. This Arizona team, uh, a fast one. That's where the Hawks seem to have the most difficulty against fast teams because that's what Colorado is. Colorado has a little bit more firepower than this Arizona team does, and I think that helped the Hawks stay in this game once the momentum seemed to change. Um, But nevertheless, the the Coyotes were dangerous here. Wrapping up a four-game road trip and a third game in four nights, they were the stronger team at the end of that game. So that's something that the Blackhawks are going to have to deal with. As uh, yeah, after after the Monday off day, it's going to be four games in, in six nights. Uh, once they come back here and play the Minnesota Wild on Sunday at the United Center, and that's when we will give you our next Blackhawks Crazy podcast. It'll be next Monday, following the Sunday game against the Minnesota Wild. Uh, Maybe the Hawks will be on a winning streak by then. Maybe they'll be in a losing streak. Maybe they'll pick up half the point. You just don't know. It's a, it's a box of chocolates with this team so far this season. Um, uh, assorted chocolates at that. Uh, before we uh, sign off, anything uh, coming up here basketball-wise? you got some play-by-play coming up that people can listen or see you on? Uh, I actually just wrapped up a, a strong couple of days uh, with a lot of basketball. Did UIC on Saturday and Sunday? Tuesday, I will. It's funny because I'll be listening to the Hawks in my drive home. I am heading to Monmouth for United Monmouth. It's high school basketball. They're playing a St. Joe's team from Australia. What? Yeah. Yeah, Australia is coming to Central Illinois for some high school 1A basketball. Why? I don't know. I'm, I'm hopefully going to find out tomorrow when I talk to the coach. But, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, actually, in two weeks, I'll be doing doing three games in three days. UIC, Northern Illinois, and DePaul basketball. So we'll see how that all goes. There you go. There's the grind we're talking about for uh, the play-by-play lifestyle. Well, say good day to all the, uh, all the Aussies who are – Boy, uh, I'm curious to hear that story. To be continued on uh, next Monday's podcast. Joe, thanks a bunch. Great job, as always, uh, here on the podcast and working the Blackhawks locker room. Also want to thank Curtis Koch for his uh, production work and putting this all together, as well as to you for listening. We're dealing with a bug here in the uh, United States. It's It's like a fruit fly or a gnat or something like that. But we have not so far, as we sign off, been interrupted by the cleaning lady taking the garbage can. So we're making progress here on the Blackhawks Crazy Podcast. Thanks most of all, not only to you for li- to, for listening, but also to the folks at FanList for once again being our presenting sponsor. Have a great week, everyone. We hope we can say the same for the Blackhawks when we speak to you next Monday after the four consecutive games, three on the road, Vegas, Arizona, and St. Louis before winding up here at Minnesota. We'll talk to you then. Thanks for listening to the Blackhawks Crazy Podcast. Tell a friend, subscribe, and join the conversation. And follow the guys on Twitter, at Bowden Tweets, and at Joe underscore brand one. That was great!